Our second readings this morning are from the Gospel of Matthew. And I'm going to paraphrase the first couple and then read one of the stories. The first snippet, as you will, is Jesus saying to Peter, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And then just a few paragraphs, a few chapters later, Jesus foretells of Peter's denial. And he says, you will all be deserters because of me this night. And Peter, of course, says, no, I will never deny you. Even though I may go to death, I will not deny you. And then, of course, just a few verses later, we hear this. Now, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant girl came to him and said, you also were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before all of them, saying, I do not know what you are talking about. When he went out to the porch, another servant girl saw him, and she said to the bystanders, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Certainly, you are also one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to curse, and he swore an oath, I do not know the man. At that moment, the cock crowed. Then Peter remembered what Jesus had said. Before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Will you pray with me? O oh, gracious and loving God, may these stories continue to resonate in our hearts, and may the words and meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing unto you this day and always. Amen. According to some who knew her well, she was often quite angry, and her temper would flare without warning. She was also haunted by decades, some say even 50 years, of inner spiritual conflict. In one desperate letter written to a close confidant, she wrote, Where is my faith? Even deep down there is nothing but emptiness and darkness. My God, how painful is this unknown pain. I have no faith. I dare not utter the words and thoughts that crowd in my heart and make me suffer untold agony. And yet we know this woman as a saint, Saint Mother Teresa of Calcutta. She has been called the saint of the gutters for her voyaging into the slums of Calcutta with no more specific a goal than to abide with the unwanted, the unloved, the uncared for. She even won the Nobel Peace Prize in 1979. And we know her for her devotion to the poor and we know her for her inspiring words so often quoted, like this one. I'm not sure exactly what heaven will be like, but I know that when we die and it comes time for God to judge, he will not ask, how many things have you done in your life? Rather, he will ask, how much love did you put into what you did? Yes, we know her as a saint, but it is so much more inspiring to know her fully, working tirelessly to serve the poor, yes, but while all the time pining over what had happened to her faith. 
And then there's the man who Jesus chose as one of his first disciples. He gave up his career and left his home to follow Jesus. He listened attentively to every word that Jesus spoke. And Jesus even said to him, upon this rock, I will build my church. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Well, he was there with Jesus's most intimate companions when Jesus broke bread and poured out the wine, making a new covenant of love for us all. He was one of the first disciples that Jesus appeared to after his death. He was canonized a saint. And yet, this is the same man that denied Jesus, just as Jesus had predicted he would. He failed Jesus at his most vulnerable hour. And even though he wept when the cock crowed three times, there's no mention of him at the foot of the cross as Jesus suffered and died. Where were you, Peter? How could you have possibly denied Jesus, Saint Peter? Well, we tend to focus on the great and noble deeds of the saints, don't we? Their less than seller attributes are not mentioned very often, as though knowing their full human character would lessen their saintliness. But knowing them for who they really are makes them so much more relatable. Well, we tend to do the same thing when we memorialize our own blessed saints, don't we? How many of you have ever attended a memorial service that really painted a picture of the person's full humanity, warts and all? It's usually the good things that we lift up, of course, in our eulogies. And I often find myself thinking, wow, I'm really falling short compared to so-and-so. But when my day comes, I give any of you permission that want to stand up and hopefully say a few nice things, but go ahead and share where I fell short. Because you know why? In spite of my shortcomings, and there are many, I believe it is God's grace that will ultimately save me. Of course we should strive to do good in the world, to follow Christ's teachings, but we will always come up short, won't we? Less than perfect, and yet God's love for us is constant and unwavering. And it is that grace that should move us throughout our lives, trying to be the best that we can be, but it should also give us the strength to not be afraid to admit our imperfections, for of course we all have them. And how freeing it would be if we all moved about the world not putting up the facade that we're not all struggling at one time or another, or in one way or another. Imagine if we learned to be even a bit more vulnerable with one another. We'd all get to practice being more compassionate, and wouldn't that be God's vision of heaven? Well, think of this story, a woman whose children grew up believing their mom was truly a saint. Not a saint with a capital S, but a saint at least to them. She was always there for them, listening attentively, cooking amazing meals, and always serving them on a beautifully appointed table. She handmade all their Halloween costumes, and she never missed their ball games or choir concerts or recitals. She seemed to be the perfect wife and mother. And of course, she volunteered at church and in the community. She was, by all appearances, a real saint. But then, it was discovered. She had kept a deep, rather dark family secret that had tormented her through most of her adult life. She had vowed to keep that secret for fear of losing her children's love if they discovered how less than perfect she actually was. And sadly, some of her children couldn't handle the truth. 
not because of what she had done, but because she had kept it a secret, because she had not trusted them to love her, even in her imperfection. Her other children, however, welcomed the truth. They were even relieved to see her in a more realistic light and were able to love her, warts and all. All Saints' Day is the day that we remember those we've loved and lost, but it is also a powerful reminder that those we've loved, saints, every one of them, were not perfect. Just like the imperfect saints with a capital S, and each of them can serve as our role models, not because they were perfect, but because they were all doing the best they could, stumbling along the way, doubting, denying, and trying so hard to appear flawless, but all less than perfect, and still all loved unconditionally by our God. For anyone who has ever doubted God's presence or their own faithfulness, Mother Teresa can certainly serve as our relatable saint. In spite of her doubt, she journeyed on serving the poor, not only food, but love. For anyone who has stumbled and denied Jesus or has failed to live their lives guided by Christ's teachings, we can relate to Peter. A colleague of mine posed this question recently. If someone followed you for a month, would it be obvious to them what you value, what you truly believe? Would it be obvious that you are a Christian? Well, if we followed Peter the last month of his life, we might not be sure, would we? But if someone followed you for a month, would it be obvious to them what you value, what you truly believe? Would it be obvious to them that you, too, are a Christian? But we can try, and we can't live our lives based, and we can try to live our lives based on what we truly value and what we truly believe. And we will try, but just like Peter and like Teresa, and just like the less than perfect mom, we will stumble. And so today isn't so much about asking to be like these paragons of virtue, as much as it is about seeing God's grace moving through the saints exactly as they were just as God's grace moves through us now. That's the beauty of the meal that we are about to share. We all come to the table, perhaps haunted by our own doubts, distressed by our shortcomings, afraid to even share our imperfections. But we come to the table where we can and should confess these things. But assured of God's grace, we come to the table to receive the bread of life and the cup of love and forgiveness, and we all leave as saints. May it be so.